welcome back to another episode of the Geek Whispers. I'm Matt Broberg. And I'm Amy Lewis. And I'm John Mark Troyer. And we're very pleased to be diving into a fun topic today on happiness at work. How do you find it? How do you cultivate it? And what does it mean to you? And how do you weigh that as you think about your career trajectory? To guide us in this conversation, we have a wonderful guest and a blast from my past as well, Lorinda. Lorinda, would you mind introducing yourself to people? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, I'm Lorinda Brandon. I run developer marketing for Capital One Dev Exchange, and I have been wandering. I've been a roaming nomad in the tech industry for over 30 years, so um, I'm really happy to be here and talking about what I think is one of my favorite topics, which is how, <laughs> in times of frustration even, how do you find happiness at work and how do you help other people find happiness at work? And a little background story that makes me enjoy having you on this podcast for this conversation in particular. I remember a particularly frustrating time uh, in my first year at EMC and tech support back in the day, first job out of college. And this wonderful, smart woman invites me into her office to talk about what I'm doing and whether I enjoy it and to eat some baklava. And that person <laughs> is Lorinda, uh, giving me guidance and also Middle Eastern treats from pretty much early on in my career. So it's wonderful to, to talk about happiness with you. <laughs> baklava meetings. Help. Yeah, baklava <laughs> meetings are the best meetings. <laughs> Honestly, a necessary part of everyone's office environment. Uh, definitely just right. hey, we got really a, soothes them. We have our first tip already. Happiness yeah. involves uh, uh, sweets. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you're going to have a tough conversation, always have a snack there. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Things we, we learned in kindergarten but didn't, didn't hold close. Yeah, so uh, all joking aside, uh, you brought up this topic, and it just it seems very poignant. We've been talking to people about their, their careers and even uh, taking some time off through taking sabbaticals, and um, it's nice to focus in on what it looks like to find those moments of happiness in the day-to-day. -day. So do you maybe want to take a second and uh, introduce us to your idea of how happiness does fit into the day-to-day -day of your career? Yeah, I mean, so... You know, I think I think you can't necessarily separate, especially these days, your career from your life. So kind of an odd, I guess, mental trick that we play on ourselves to look at our work life and say, you know, do I get happiness here and just here? Like to separate that from your personal, um, your personal existence. So to me, it, it's all kind of wrapped up together, right? If you're if you're miserable at work you can wrap yourself around that and let that be, let that define you. And then you bring that home and then you're miserable at home and you're making everybody else miserable. And so I think it's important for people to, to kind of look around, especially in the work environment where, you know, this, you don't get to choose all your coworkers. You don't get to choose the coffee they serve or the sweets they serve you at meetings, but you can you can make a choice every day to find the thing that makes you happy, right? So, you know, we've all been in frustrating jobs. That this is why they call it work. It, it can be frustrating, but there's always something. There's a person that makes you happy, makes you feel good, or you know, there's a project you're working on that you actually really like. 
So I think I think for me, it's just finding those things and tapping into them to keep yourself sane. I didn't want to dominate, but I I kind of want to go back to that day if I can, and and point out something about that incident that you were just describing with the baklava. Can I? <laughs> That'd be perfect. Let's anchor it in a, a past example, especially one that I'd love to relive from your perspective. So <laughs> go for it. So I think you know if we if we look at that that day when you were in my office and I invited you in because I'd heard about you and I wanted to meet you and and see what made you get excited about life. And you were talking about, you know, how you would really like to get closer to another organization at EMC and just understand how they worked and what they did. And, and, you know, the easiest thing in the world for me, I knew a lot of people in that organization. It was the easiest thing in the world for me to pick up the phone, call somebody I knew and set up a ride-along day where you could just go take the day and go follow somebody in that side of the organization and see what they do and build a relationship. And it made you so happy <laughs> to have that experience. And it was, it was so easy for me to do. And I think that one of the things we forget is how easy it is. The stuff that's within our sphere of influence and our sphere of control Right, the power we have to make other people happy with, with and sometimes it only takes a minute. And literally, that took a minute to call somebody and say, "Hey, I've got this guy. You know, he really wants to get to know you guys better and understand what you do. Can he ride along with one of your guys for a day?" Hmm. That's that's you interesting. Know? I think because we at work, right? We are focused on the problems often, and we're focused on. Uh, you know, the next meeting and the program plan and what's going wrong and because you're trying to fix it. And I think that is a shift in mindset to re, to when you can do, uh, and in this case, it's doing something for somebody else uh, that made you happy and made him happy. Um, but I think that definitely is a, 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 a maybe a pulling back a little bit of perspective because, again, you know, normally we're, we're in a meeting and going through the agenda and the that you know, the, 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 we're looking at some horrible spreadsheet that that's a pseudo Gantt chart, and all the things are red, and um, nobody, you know, all that sort of stuff, right? So, is that part of where we're going here? Is 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 how can we shift away from the problems to 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 what charges you up? I, I mean, I think so. I, I don't want to be the only one weighing in, but I definitely <laughs> think so. I and I also think I also think. Um, we as human beings thrive on connections, right? We thrive on relationships. And I think some of what makes us unhappy in a workspace, if we really sit back and look at what's making you unhappy, it's often the fact that you're feeling isolated or powerless or, um, you know, like what you're doing is futile. I think that tends to be a big frustration for people. And, and that stuff is in, in a lot of ways, much easier to overcome than we realize just by making human connections. I think part of what made Matt so happy that day was was just connecting, right? And it was really easy to, I knew who, how to connect him. And I think sometimes if we just take a minute and you're looking at that Gantt chart with all the red, you know, to say, you know what, I, I bet if I connected this person with that person, we could solve that problem. Huh. You know what I mean? So how do we do that though? Like I'm I'm thinking of the 
the element at play in particular where we're so focused on the problems and the solving of problems. And then once that problem is gone, we just move on to the next problem. Um, I think what you're asking is so simple, Lorinda, but also like really major in, in this reframing away from just looking at problems and the next thing to conquer and to find these opportunities for kindness and happiness and connection. Um, so how how do you even approach that in in a day to day you know cube existence of a large corporation? So at at Capital One, and uh, you know I'll, I'll use Capital One even though you know I think this has been sort of part of what I hope is my mindset a lot of the time, not all the time. Um, but Capital One has as one of its core values assume positive intent. And I think we forget that about each other. We get into a work situation and we kind of, many people take adversarial roles, particularly if a project's going badly or um, it, you feel like you have to politic, you have to, you have to win this one instead of just assuming that everybody wants the best outcome and everybody's coming from a place of good intent. And so if you're not agreeing on something, you just, you need to talk that out figure out why you're not agreeing on it because you both want what's best. Um, I, I actually don't believe anybody, and this may be naive, I don't think anybody goes to work saying, I'm going to really screw this up today and I'm going <laughs> to screw everybody else over, right? Nobody well, does that. Uh, no, um, I'm going to say there's one or two. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to disagree. There's a sociopath, <laughs> one out of 25, according to my sociopath next door book. So, <laughs> oh my God! Don't speaking. buy books like that, Amy. <laughs> I can't. Who wouldn't buy that book with that title? Who could resist? Um, not me. Not me. I'll tell you that. But uh, my, a boss, long time ago, taught me: um, assume people are telling you the truth, and make them responsible if they're not. And it's so simple, but it's such a great piece of advice, and it really does, to your point, take the mental weight off of trying to figure out what people's politics are. Um, if they're lying to you, it will catch up with them eventually. Let them own that. It's not something you have to worry about or particularly address unless it's, you know, blatant in your face and it needs to be addressed. But the subtle politics, if you are straightforward, can simply be ignored. And it's a version of assumed positive intent. The Warren, um, the Warren Buffett sort of approach. Um, make deals on a handshake because... The deal moves faster. The speed of trust, as the as that. See, I don't just buy books that say. Yeah, that was uh, good. <laughs> the speed yeah. of trust is also a book title um, that so, I have read. Some of my lawyers, have, <laughs> some of my lawyers have disagreed with that, but. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, okay. So I, I want to ask another question. So, Lorinda, for you, and I, I agree. I think there's a same positive intent, which speaks to the fact that all of us have to take charge of our own happiness. It, it is not always come to us in the form of a nice baklava. We have to seek it. Um, how do you, do you do that almost as a mindfulness practice? Do you, has it become a muscle you used so often it's just there? Is this something you kind of get out of bed and think, here are three things I'm excited about today? Or what are some of the very practical, tactical approaches you take? You know, it, that's so funny, and I can sort of tie it back to your sociopath comment. Um, it all I, comes back to sociopath. It, it all comes back. I'll go <laughs> say that. Um, I think, um, so 
for the most part, for me, it's a bit of a muscle memory, right? It's it's just how after I think I've had enough time in the industry and I've had enough experience to look around and say, um, this doesn't define me, right? This day at work, this Tuesday at work doesn't define me. Uh, and it doesn't define the people around me either. And I think I've just cut, I tend to be a people person anyway. So for me, the thing that keeps me um, centered and stable and sane is making those human connections. But I will say, having said that, um, there is this, there is that, I wouldn't call, I won't call them all sociopaths, but you know, you don't like everybody. There are people that you work with that you just have to work with and you have to figure out how to get around whatever personal um, chafing is happening there. And for me, I, I use, I really do use assume positive intent as my mantra to, to think, okay, this is not working, but it's not working um, in a way that can be resolved. Everything can be resolved. Um, and, and sometimes resolving it means removing yourself. So one of the things I've learned over the course of time, and, and it's given me great peace actually to know this about myself, that I'm not always right. I, <laughs> I hate to say That's that. That's a tough lesson for many. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm not always right. And knowing that kind of frees you up a little bit to say, maybe I'm the problem in this project, or maybe I'm the problem in this conversation, and you have to just kind of shut up for a minute and step back and center yourself again. So I, I think it's a little of both to answer your question in a really long way. I think sometimes it's muscle memory where it, and for the most part it is. I, I think I just generally enjoy the people I work with in almost every job I've been in. Um, and if I enjoy the people, I can enjoy the work. Um, but I, there are times where I have to kind of have my own centering technique and sometimes it's removing myself for a minute to make sure it's not me that's causing the problem. And if it is figuring out a new tactic, um, and, and sometimes it's the project that you just have to live through and say, this, this project will pass. I'll get through it. We'll get to the end of it and everything will be okay again. Well, and I love your perspective in terms of uh, one data point does not make a line, right? When you look at a single point, one bad day doesn't make a whole career, doesn't make a whole project, doesn't make a whole person, et cetera. Um, it is so hard at the pace we move at with uh, the pressure I think that we put on ourselves that we feel is coming from our company just sort of um, to, to lose sight of that. My, my friend just introduced me to that saying, it's not hearts in the fridge. <laughs> not hearts I, in the fridge. Wait, I don't get it. Is that it's not, it, it's not, um, it's not heart surgery. It's not trying to transplant um, a living organ. You know, the, the time bound that we live under is not, we don't work in the ER. Um, and there are moments that what we do is critical and crucial and, and vitally important, but perspective in all things. Uh, that's yeah. because I thought that was a serial killer reference. Um, and I'm, I'm happy <laughs> I know. It was I'm not. backing yeah. them up. Amy I, has I, a dark side to her. I can feel it. I, like, this no, is I, the absolutely. Dexter episode of The Geek Whispers where <laughs> yes. Amy comes out. Well, the, the negative space is, is 
always my friend. Well, talking about negative space, you know, th- there are times that I'd like us to recognize when things actually are, the situation is terrible. Things are bad. Uh, a, a, an acquaintance was uh, just telling me the other day that uh, the company had gone into business and they'd stiffed them on their paycheck. Or, you know, you're at most of the time when people talk to me and us uh, about bad gigs, it's often like the role itself is bad, the expectations are bad, the fit is bad, the manager is bad, uh, you know, the pay is bad. So it's not like, um, oh, I'm in a functional organization and, and, and I can't be happy because uh, I have some bad, uh, some people that annoy me or a, or a difficult project. There are times when actually, like, the stuff is bad. Yeah. So there's no doubt about that. And like I have lived through working at startups that couldn't pay us um, and went, you know, several weeks and you have to sit down with your team and say, hey, no pay this week, but hey, aren't we having fun? You know, um, yeah, there are times when things really suck. And, And, you know, one of the things that I also think we have to acknowledge is, um, especially for women in this industry or in, in most industries, to be honest, but my experience is all in tech. Um, you know, there are days where you, you are ignored, overrun, um, uh, you know, demeaned because of who you are. I had an once, um, and he worked for me, and we were in a group setting. We were out to dinner, and I we we were going to get another round. And I, you know, somebody said, "Oh, I'm out of cash," and I said, "Yeah, I'm out of cash." And this employee, in front of all these other men, I was the only woman at the table, in front of all these other men, said, "Well, there's a street corner over there, Lorinda." Oh my God! Now, yeah, now it, I'm going to go back to. Yes, we all have bad times. We have bad companies. We have bad incidents. We have, we have moments that really are bad. Um, and we have, you know, sometimes those moments can last years. But again, I'm going to go back to it. It's always your choice how that defines you and how you react to it. Um, so... You know, you can you can take a moment like that and let it twist you and let it change you. And you can take a, you know, an incident or, or a situation where, you know, you're working for a company that can no longer pay you. Um, and you can work for a company where, you know, you have to do layoffs and, and you have to let people go that you really care about and that you really respect. Those things happen. And so I don't want to be Pollyanna about it. But, you know, happiness isn't a moment-to-moment thing. Happiness is cumulative, and it lasts a lifetime. And so you can either let those moments twist you and define you and, and sour you, or you can take those moments and learn what you can from them and, and carry that with you as a lesson learned, right? So, I, I, And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say happiness can sometimes be um, – you know, a mental image of smacking the taste from someone's mouth in that kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to open that that's, that is its own form of happiness as well. When uh, that sort of inexcusable behavior happens. Yeah. yeah and-, and I will say, I will say that that guy has come back to me many times over the years asking for references 
and it makes me happy every time I read it. <laughs> So, see? Oh, dear God. <laughs> I feel so, that does tie back to the sociopath next door. And I hope you <laughs> smile with the biggest Southern bless your heart smile that you have got in your... In your... I do. Bless your heart. Well, yes. Unfortunately, this episode is not about bringing this person to justice or to teach them any form it, it, of self-acknowledgement. Uh, hey, man, it, is, it, might be but, about, uh, it might be about know who your references are. Know who you give as references. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's an that's an excellent sense. point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. But, but but getting to back to the theme of of happiness, like so, that's a that's a hard example. And being a woman in tech is is a struggle I will never personally go through. But uh, Lorinda, could you, you know, how do you recover from moments like that? How do you distance yourself from it in, in a way um, and, and make the most of that in in your philosophy of happiness in the work? And, workplace and in your day-to-day life you guys know this saying so this is one of my my other mantras um and i think it's come this saying has been morphed so many times so it comes in many forms but this is the form i know it fate whispered to her you cannot survive the storm and she whispered back i am the storm i carry that around with me and in moments like that i remember that I am the storm. And I do, I really do carry that saying in my head. And I think, you know, Matt and I had worked together in a, in an environment where I think you've seen me have to be the storm. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) There, there are times when you can decide to let life run you over, or you can decide to stand up to it. And I always stand up to it. And so in moments like that, you know, you survive the moment, right? So I, I literally looked him right in the face and said, that is completely inappropriate. And I said it loud enough for everybody else at the table to hear it. But but it also was something I had to take back with me and process. And it was hard. I mean, I won't deny that there's, there's probably very few women in the world who, there's a lot of us who go through moments like that. And there's very few of us who don't, you know, cry over that. Um, And I love your 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 phrase of don't let something twist you. Um, let our experiences shape us, but not give our happiness uh, away so lightly, so to speak. Um, you know, to let to let a situation twist you as opposed to shape you is a, a subtle and important thing. Yeah, yeah. I really like that, and yeah, I appreciate knowing that. That yeah, that's someone that I I truly respect uh, uh, has dealt with this before, and just you know, uh, your your phrase is dead on. The idea of you know, being the storm. Sometimes you just have to flex and not put up with that shit. Well, I think it's one of those things. Not to harp on this too much, but it's a conversation I've had before. And Lorinda, it's 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 a jaw dropping story to hear, no matter what. Um, is that we somehow think these stories that that swirl up from time to time happen to somebody else. We rationalize it away that it couldn't happen to a coworker of ours. And then for you to share that, it's just so stunningly obtuse of this person. And then to continue to come back and ask you for references, the whole story is just the clarity of, of, of again, just completely checked out, disengaged, the opposite of, in some ways, what we're talking about, which is this kind of mindfulness and this active engagement in our career and our life 
and and bringing those things into balance. It's just it's such a, a polar opposite. Yeah, and I think that's a whole separate discussion, really. You know, the whole um, I guess mindfulness in the workplace, and and not that happiness isn't sort of tied to that, but I think you know um, those incidents, at least in my experience, don't happen every day. And if they do, you need to extricate yourself uh, because, like we just talked about, you don't want to get twisted. You don't want this to change who you are. Um, you, you need to be true to yourself, but you also need to give everybody around you um, the space to be better people, to be the, the – the, everybody needs the space to be the best person they can be in a work environment, and that's hard. Um, because work environments are weird. They're, they're, you didn't choose any of these people. Sometimes you don't choose the work. You know, you, you're, you, there's a lot of powerlessness yeah. in a work environment. Well, um, yeah. I'd like to maybe connect that back to some of the stuff we, we talk about in the Geek Whispers sometimes, which is, you know, about um, finding your passion, which, which I don't particularly love. I don't think any of us love, but it, it, like that formulation, like, oh, go find your passion. You don't necessarily have to find your passion. You have to find something that you like about the job you have and, and kind of get some passion around that to do it well. And, and it's how you respond to it, right? It's how you find it. Uh, you know, we've talked about mindfulness and therapy or whatever, right? You find that how you you can control how you react to things. Um, I don't know, folks. Would, would it be okay if I dropped a little science in here? Oh, oh science, science story hour? Please do. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I, – I think it's pretty good science. So there's this guy, uh, Martin Seligman. And he wrote a book about happiness, and he's kind of like the happiness guy. And, uh, but, you know, he's a psychologist, and blah, blah, blah. He's, he's a good guy. But he did have a, does have a model here that I think relates back to kind of things we've been talking about and may help people put stuff in buckets. So his model of happiness, what makes you happy, is it's called the, uh, the PERMA model uh, for P-E-R-M-A. P is positive emotion. Uh, and that is about being optimistic and about how you react to things. Like, do you look at the negative light of things or do you look at the positive light of things? Uh, you know, and optimists, um, you know, they, they can look at the same thing and be and be happier. Uh, part of it is engagement, right? We talk a lot, we've talked about engagement here often on this podcast, and I think we've talked about it today on the thing, or you find something that, you know, you can get engaged in. Uh, another thing is R is relationships, other people. You know, that clearly we are we are animals that like other people relationships, right? We, we, that's kind of another point of this whole podcast that we're on. Meaning, and again, not um, doesn't have to be like uh, saving the world or, or, or crippled children, but you've got to be able to find some meaning that your, your job is not pointless. You're, you know, you're, you're not doing a, a pointless, you're not doing some Sisyphusian task of rolling a rock uphill every day just to have it roll back down, particularly a problem with programmers, probably. Um, and then accomplishments, right? Have you actually accomplished anything? So those are so those are the those are the elements that Seligman, after all these years, has kind of come up with. Like this is these are kind of the elements the, to to look at for uh, a happy life and, and happiness. So so positive emotion, engagement, flow, relationships, authentic connections, meaning, purpose, and achievement, a sense of accomplishment. Does that uh, does that uh, wrap up a lot of some of the things we were talking about here? Totally. So. Bringing it back to something I really want to hear from you, Lorinda, um, has to do with you, you've always, since I've known you, you've been a leader in organizations. And um, a lot of this has to do with personal practices of mindfulness and self-reflection and separation. 
Um, so how do you bring others along with you? Uh, how do you help others find these moments of uh, Zen or calm or happiness? I, I think you, um, you model it. Um, you know, I, my, my style as a leader is really more about modeling um, and, and empowering and congratulating. I think, I think, you know, people who are happy feel appreciated. They feel empowered. They feel like they own something, like they're contributing something. And so I, I try to make sure that the people on my team know that I appreciate them and that other people appreciate them. And I try to give them, uh, you know, freedom to be and to grow and to express themselves and, and to do what they're good at. I mean, we hired them to do the things they're good at. And, and really, um, happy people make other people happy too. When, when somebody feels good about what they're doing and how they're contributing and feels valued, then that gives them the space to make other people feel the same way. And you can kind of create a viral happiness if, if, you, if you make sure your team is happy and that they have enough of that to overflow into other teams and to other interactions. You know, I, um, I'll, I'll give you an example of my current team, who I love to death. Um, we had a, a guy from the engineering side of the house write a blog post for us. Um, and that was very nice. And he did a great job. And he also did a webinar on the same topic. And my team hosted that. And, and one day, he sent me a note. And he said, I don't know who was behind it. But I love, this was so nice. I got this great gift pack. He had gotten this whole big thank you pack of all kinds of swag with a thank you note and, you know, uh, just this big package to congratulate him and express appreciation for what he did for us. And do you know my team never told me they were doing that? Like, I was as surprised as he was. Um, and I was absolutely huh. thrilled because what it said was they they got it. They, they understood that. These were the values we cherished in our team, and they had enough happiness and appreciation to, to pass over to somebody else because they were already full to the brim with their own. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that's what, as a leader, you know, you can make a huge impact on an organization by creating an organization that can spread that kind of uh, joy. Yeah, wow, what a powerful story, right? Because there's also this element of, the the sense of empowerment from the team to feel like they can go and do do these sort of things and see that as part of their work and part of their culture and that ha that says a lot about you and the modeling you're doing along the way so i think that brings it home perfectly of give people the space and and the authority and and uh you know really let them be be part of it like uh and thank them when they do i think that's it goes full circle there. Well, uh, we've been extremely positive, but Amy, you always have this negative space thing that we bring up. So you want to... <laughs> I know I've talked about hearts and refrigerators. I've talked about <laughs> sociopaths. We've got my character out Just there. Just an average podcasting night with Just, Amy. Just, you know, Woods. days that end in Y. Um, so, Lorinda, the question we, in all seriousness, do like to ask is on this journey, 
if you could get the magic wand and do something over or prevent someone in, in our hearing right now from making the same mistake, what would you counsel someone to never, ever, ever do again? Something that perhaps they thought was going to lead to the path to happiness, but uh, really backfired, et cetera. What is that? Never, ever do this again. Yeah. Um, don't, don't make rash decisions about big things. So, um, and this is, I'm speaking to myself, maybe mostly. But, um, <laughs> Most of these you sure? ones I are. You were that to you. <laughs> yeah. Or to Amy or to John. A friend said, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm speaking for a friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think um, there, everybody, everybody plays out the scene in their head where they stomp away in a huff, you know, where they say, I've had enough, I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore, and they stomp away and, and in their mind's eye, you know, the whole company is crumbling, you know, behind them in a big <laughs> pile of dust. And um, and here's the thing, you know, that never happens. Companies just go on and they go, yeah, I, somebody used to sit here. I can't remember who. Um, you know, you can you can overvalue yourself to the point where you then miss out on uh, some really amazing opportunities if you just take a breath, go home have a glass of wine or whatever makes you happy, piece of baklava, and come back the next day with a clearer mind. I think um, certainly my younger self did a lot more of that sort of stomping away um, and, and maybe missed out on opportunities that I wish I had been um, mature enough to stay long enough to enjoy. That is profound. I... I think a lot of people, uh, I sort of reference the pop culture, you know, JetBlue flight attendant pulls the slide, grabs the six pack and parachutes out. Um, and I think people don't think of the flip side of what happens when you stay, breathe and face it down. I think that's a really powerful thing to say. So with that, uh, where can people find you if they want to connect with you, see more of the work you're doing at Capital One? So um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Lindy Brandon on Twitter, um, and I am, of course, on LinkedIn as Lorinda Brandon. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope all of you out there in Geek Whisperer land are thinking about little ways that you can add more happiness to your day-to-day your -day, uh, in your job and at home and keep all of those in balance. So thanks so much for listening. This is the Geek Whispers over and out. You've been listening to the Geek Whisperers podcast. Tune in on iTunes or Stitcher for regular stories of technology careers, cultures, and lives. Share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website, geek-whispers.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore whispers or at Jay Troyer, MJ Brender, and Comms Ninja. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>